This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Inner Cup Podcast as we're going through the weekly must watch, the weekly show where we go through the movies, TVs, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. Zach, it has been a while. Uh, we've been Oof. out for Thanksgiving. We've been out because of yeah. other things as well. Um, but nonetheless, Unfortunately. We, yeah, we've been like Brazil. We've been better than Brazil. We watch more movies a day than Brazil <laughs> scores goals in a game. But uh, Zach, how have you been so far? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, enjoying a lot of that action from Brazil and other great soccer teams. I, I feel like most of my drama in the last two weeks has have come on the pitch rather than on the big screen or small yeah. screen or what have you. Uh, it's been a very exciting World Cup, even though there, there's some weird moral things hanging over the whole uh, event. But, like, I don't know. I'm a sucker, man. I've been watching th these games since I was guy. four years old. It, yeah, football, it means a lot guy, to me. Uh, I'll respect your turf. Fulka, your football, Pilka, Nojna. <laughs> it's, look, it's, it's a lot of names, a lot of places. But uh, we, all, we all like the round ball thing. Have you have you caught any games? Have you been watching yeah, bro, uh, USA like or, or getting in on the... I've been watching them on Peacock because that's where they stream them in Spanish and nothing beats the <laughs> announcers yelling goal. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I've been watching them... Uh, I've been getting up so, so early. I, I watch the highlights for the early games. Yeah. The ones that are like, Some of them are very early. Yeah, the ones that are ridiculous. But I know because it's in Qatar, like an appropriate 1 p.m. game here is like 10 p.m. Players have been staying up all day just to <laughs> do around. Uh, but it, mm -hmm. it, it's been it's been fun to watch. I don't know if you've got a team right now that you're rooting for the most that you got money on. I mean, you know, they knocked out U.S., they knocked out Poland, uh, they knocked out all the things that Mexico. I have, like, some blood connection to. Yeah, yeah you Mexico's know long Mexico gone. won and we still lost. Like, that, <laughs> only in a, an attorney like this. Yeah. I grew up in the area, the era where everybody really just loved Joga Bonita and the idea of the, like, the beautiful game, the way the Brazilians play it. So I, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for those, like, beautiful yellow jerseys and yeah. just the style they play with. They had, they had an amazing game against South Korea today. Richarlison is absolutely dominating. So uh, I enjoy watching them play, but I'm kind of just in it for, for entertainment at this point. I want Messi to win. Yeah. Uh, but we do have movies also as well. I love Messi. <laughs> Messi over Ronaldo. Woo! Uh, we did yeah. have a, a lot of different <laughs> things that have come out this past week in theaters, in streaming. Uh, you know, it wasn't just Peacock releasing stuff for sports and balls. But we did have a lot of, a variety of things, I would say, that people were gravitating towards this week. Uh, and starting with the theatrical side of things, we... We have the most movies we've had all year. People who have argued about theaters being dead. This is the Intercut Podcast where we remind you uh, that is not the case. Uh, Zach, out of all the movies that have come out this past week, uh, it's crazy to think that by the beginning of next year, they'll also be in the comfort of your own home. So some of these movies that we're talking about that may not have the biggest releases out there, I find it funny because it's like... Neither are any of the other movies. Uh, we'll be getting to some of those, but let's begin with the first one of the recent yeah. week, which was Violent Night, a movie that mm -hmm. takes Santa Claus, Die Hard, mixes them together, and uh, to me really was just a Home Alone remake for the new generation. It's like a, a very nice Christmas family movie smothered in F-bombs. 
<laughs> wasn't for me. But I think if you're a fan of the 87 uh, 11 North people, this is the team getting back together and realizing that you don't actually need directors. I think they've come to the conclusion that they could literally just make a project with a second AD stunt coordinator who wants to move up the ladders like David Leach and be the next John Wick director. And uh, this is a new pipeline that they've created. Um, <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems a movie that is as advertised. It's got kind of like a broad sort of sense of humor, maybe a bit juvenile, and then just a lot of like like satisfying, hard-hitting action set pieces with a, you know, kind of comedic twist to it. To me, just in watching the previews, I felt like it looked a little bit too too close to like an SNL skit trying to masquerade as a real movie than, wish, a, than a real movie. Yeah, and I, f I feel you there because it, it's trying to be two things at once. It really wants to be this Christmas movie. It's rated R, yeah. but it doesn't have that full edge. You have uh, henchmen who are psychopaths in this, but they like they take their time. You know, they're, they're kind of nice because the plot <laughs> needs to move along the way that it does. Um, mm -hmm. He's also not as mean or as iconic as they want him to be. Uh, I think David Harbour mm. is a decent, fine actor. I felt they did him dirty in Hellboy, and if he thought this was going to be the new one, it is also not it. He spends the majority of mm. the movie, Zach, uh, just chilling in an attic, just fighting one-on-one -on -one guys, <laughs> and then just having the uh, other storyline that's happening in the background, because the whole premise of the movie is that uh, Santa Claus is real in this world. He is going around, he's just really depressed because he's been doing it for thousands of years, and he just so happens to be delivering gifts to this one family who's filthy rich. They call him the family from succession. And someone is there, John Leguizamo specifically, in order to be able to take the millions of dollars that they may be hiding in the vault. There are other twists and turns within the movie and, you know, the background to this family and why they may be so cold and who deserves cold and whatnot. Um, but they're meshing two things that don't really fit. And by the end of it, I think it would have been better if he wasn't actually Santa Claus. There is a play in mm. this movie where John Leguizamo plays Mr. Scrooge, a man who hates Christmas, yet still asks why, uh, why can't we say happy holidays? You know, it's like one of those where they're trying to make it be three things at once. Um, right. But you have henchmen in the back who start like questioning, wait, is this like the real Santa Claus? Because he could do like little things like uh, go up the chimney by tapping his nose. He's got a, a, his bag of stuff where tricks come out. They never really get too creative with it. I think if they would have made him a real person who the henchmen were like by accident believing that he was some sort of actual Santa Claus, it would have been a more entertaining movie. Uh, for what it stands, it doesn't fully commit to the brutal side of it. And it also, uh, I, I don't, it feels like a, a montage of a lot of other Christmas movies that it's trying to be. It mentions right. Home Alone a lot before it homages it. He's pulling out a DVD of Die Hard before he goes and tries yeah. to say the one-liners. And uh, this will be for some people because there were some people in our crowd who were cheering. They clapped four times in this movie. So if you have not seen a movie since Die Hard, this may be up for you. <laughs> As for me, I think it's a movie that you should wait till it's at home. This would be perfect for streaming to have in the background by the holidays, which considering how we release movies nowadays, it may be out on streaming by the holidays. Right. So he's not nearly as iconic as uh, Billy Bob Thornton no, 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 when no. playing a, yeah, that's, a Santa. That's yeah. still the bad Santa. But that's the Night, goat. If it interests you, it is out there. The 8711th guy, they're not, they don't they don't pack a punch like they used to. I, I think they're just mm. running them th themselves too thin. Um, the, the choreography in here was not good, bro. <laughs> it, it, it's, you, uh, you don't even have the violence you want. He doesn't start fighting until like an hour in. So uh, Violent mm. Night, interesting amount of cliche characters as Santa goes crazy. But the one thing that had people going, 
head over heels this weekend. Zach has put it the best, I still think, as Prestige <laughs> Twilight. Bones yeah, and Amanda all. got a whole video out of out of those a two whole words. Video. So. <laughs> uh, there you go, right? You got your whole content line coming out here. But Bones and All, I haven't yeah. had the chance to read the book yet. Uh, and I haven't had the chance to rewatch it. But just seeing mm-hmm. the scores of people come out of this movie, treating it like Prestige Twilight, has been fascinating to watch. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've had any other thoughts since we've caught it at the New York Film Festival. No, I'm eager to catch it again whenever I get a chance to. I thought Amanda's video actually was was very good in talking about the book and talking about some of the differences between them and uh, how they kind of give you a different effect. But from the sounds of it, you know, letting her do the research, it does feel like they've made some really interesting choices with the movie to really um, give you a little bit more in ter- give you a little bit more in terms of this relationship that. Uh, is a stand-in for so many things. You know, when I first saw the movie, it obviously kind of feels like it could be a vampire movie or it's sort of like code for a queer love story. But I've heard all these different people interpret it as commentary on the opioid crisis or uh, the way that, like, political ideology has gotten really uh, divided or inherited family trauma or or coming from broken homes. And it's just, I think it's so clever that they were able to build this structure in the story that while it is ostensibly about these young, I I think we can say it now that the movie's been out for a couple weeks, cannibals, Mm -hmm. like, despite it being like uh, objectively about that subtextually it can be about so many things that it's sort of whatever you want to put on the movie i agree with you and it's one of those movies where it's like it's artsy but it's openly accessible we were talking about at new york that was the biggest wait list line that we had seen for a movie i think it's done decently well in theaters and 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 i feel you it's it's one that takes place in the Reagan era, and I, I like how the, uh, the the marker puts it that it's these people who have been cast in the margins. And we've had a lot of movies this year that bring up Reagan mm-hmm. just to bring up Reagan. Uh, I think <laughs> your movie Armageddon Time has a little Reagan dig. Barbarian has a random moment where Reagan uh, gets mentioned in the radio. So it, it has definitely mm-hmm. been a topic that a lot of uh, filmmakers have uh, covered and addressed and have used as a metaphor. I think this stands as one of the best. J- just the the different themes and and perspectives that you brought up. This is a movie where a lot of those can fit. Um, I'm excited to read the book. I'm excited to revisit it. It, It's crazy. I don't know if you heard that it's going to be out already in like a couple of weeks, I think. I know the inspection is another one that's about to be out. So if you're a fan of, you know, previous movies like Call Me By Your Name, if you're a fan of Timothy Chalamet, also shout out, I'm blinking on her name. I'm blinking on waves, bro. Uh, Taylor Taylor Russell. Taylor Russell. She kills it in this movie. Uh, Another reason to see it in theaters before it comes out on streaming, because I think it's worth watching up on the big screen. To me, definitely worth leaving the house for. Still, bones and all. Shout out to Nick in the live stream comments who said that Bones and All is in their top three of the year. Wow. They loved it. Pretty yeah, good. lots of people I think are gonna gonna end up bringing up Bones and All when it comes year end list time. It's a really good movie. I think we're we're both highly highly recommending. Easily. It. Uh, moving on to another one that may try to have some play at Oscars. I don't know the success it may have, but it's two movies yeah. that played at festivals, Devotion and The Inspection. Uh, Zach and the Cars Cast Boys, uh, even Amanda, I believe, were able to catch The Inspection over at TIFF. Uh, Zach, I don't think you've caught Devotion yet. But we've... I wanted to, and then I you got, caught you got to say, COVID yeah. this week. <laughs> you didn't want to take everybody else out of the theater, but these yeah. happen like the kind of very similar aviator movies. I'd say even more than that, the devotion, because of the casting that it has, uh, feels a lot 
uh, in the vein of Top Gun because of Glenn Powell, someone who yeah. serves as producer here, the one guy who did get his uh, pilot license. But what I do like about Devotion is that it feels like the movie you take your grandpa to, right? Mm-hmm. If, if we're having movies about race relations, I don't know if Parasite, The Menu... Maybe even some jokes in Glass Onion may go through people's heads. This is that movie, right. and I think we don't realize that there are certain movies that may be cliche at this point in time. Yes, this movie in the 2000s would kill way more than it does today. Uh, but I think the performances from someone like Jonathan Majors is really what anchors it. Uh, being able to hear him talk about it at Chicago, I think, really, really added an element that he himself as an actor and what he's dealt with in the industry. Uh, he was able to bring that into a movie where him playing the first real-life because it's a true story, aviator pilot and all the BS that he had to go through. Um, just his commentary on that and how he was able to reflect on both, I thought was very powerful. It is a movie that that hits the same beats that you think it's going to hit uh, in these biopics. But I think the performances, uh, Joe Jonas even has a song in it, and the camaraderie that they're <laughs> able to build uh, together as a group, I think works well. You're not going to get the visuals that you got in Top Gun, but I still think the visuals yeah. were effective here. And personally, uh, it's not a full combo price, but I still think it's worth leaving the theater to go catch on a big screen for the aerial scenes um, and for Jonathan Major's performance. It also comes from J.D. Dillard, who... Uh, He's been making a couple of movies here and there for a while. Yeah. Uh, I've liked Slight. Sweetheart, we caught at Sundance. I thought it was okay. So mm-hmm. he's more of a character director guy. And I think he's gotten the best actor that he's worked with to date in Jonathan Majors. Right. And he is kind of like slowly scaling up the kind of movies he's uh, been working on. So it is interesting to sort of see him on the ascend. I feel like even though I haven't loved any of his movies yet, he's like an interesting filmmaker uh, and a guy I have my eye on. Um this one, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious about it because it seems like a pretty like satisfying time at the movie theater, but it also does seem a little bit like bland in in spots yeah. from from the previews and from the general reactions I'm seeing. Um, question to you though, just getting back to that Top Gun comparison, do you feel like a movie like this is hurt more or helped Help. because of? Because, yeah, I mean, Help. like, people are calling it, Help. you know, Glenn Powell's other yes. fighter pilot and I, movie I and stuff like that. I think, if anything, it intrigues them because they tried a dish that they liked, and now here's another similar dish, right? So they, I feel mm-hmm. that a lot of people would uh, gravitate towards it. It came in at the top five. With competition like Black Panther, it came in at the top five. And I really liked his tweet. Yeah. I don't know if you got to see it, uh, that Jonathan Majors, uh, he was saying in an interview, or I guess it was a video, um, where one of his relatives had called him and was crying. That they had just come out of Black Panther and they saw him in three trailers before the movie even began. <laughs> Creed, Ant-Man, and Devotion. My man is having a year. He is having yeah, a great year. He's made it. Um, he's fully made yeah, it. Yeah, it's it, to think that this is just this is like the entry level one almost. But um, mm-hmm. just hearing him speak about the roles, even if, like you said, it's not going to be the most profound movie, which I, I think there's substance in there. But I think with movies like She Said, which I was able to finally catch up recently, I I, I see everything mm. that you were. I relay all that you said. It is a by the numbers movie, but that's almost what it serves, right? We keep looking at these movies yeah. as like they're not bad. It's just they would have been perfect 15 years ago. It's these movies that mm-hmm. are late. And I feel like that's the only thing we're holding against them. But while they're late, I think it still fits for that crowd. I think that there's a there's an audience for these movies, um, even if they may not be the uh, the things that win us over by the end of the year. But I still think Devotion is a solid movie. Um, and comparing that to The Inspection, another film that was coming around at the same time, also dealing with joining uh, the military. And mm-hmm. you guys had some very interesting reactions coming out of this one. And I feel like I had the preparation going in to know what to right. expect from this. 
and it's a very personal story. Uh, this is yeah. the director's own tale about how he was living out on the streets, and because his mother, who did not like his lifestyle, uh, wouldn't embrace him, he ends up joining uh, the Marines, if I'm not mistaken. And it's the camaraderie or the hassle, all of the bullying that he dealt uh, with there that deals with a, a breaking point in his life. Because this is the director's true story, he made, bro, the name of his production company is Ura Pictures. <laughs> he lived it. It does feel weird to tell somebody. That's a weird conclusion yeah. to get at the end of the movie. <laughs> very, very weird. But can it I deny really someone f- their truth? That's the thing. It's like, that's one of the things that, and and this also speaks to the difference to me between reality and fiction. That just because something happened in real life doesn't mean it will serve a satisfying dramatic arc. And while I found a lot of what's happening in the inspection to be really interesting, you know, I've never seen the story of a of a gay recruit going through boot camp in 05. You know, it, Right. And in this particular, particularly given also the, the, the homelessness that factors in his it being black, which factors in it just there's a lot of interesting stuff there. But I feel like it's only half of a movie and I don't really know what the other half is because it at some point he just seems to, to accept where he's at. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's something that I can't really fault the talents of people involved. I just don't know if the the arc really works for me mm-hmm. in this context, I think maybe it might have been better suited as a short than than a full feature. Switch, because it is very short. This thing's only 90 minutes long. And yeah. the way the entirety of the movie is told is from his perspective. The way he does push-ups, it's from his POV. It's very much a self-reflective movie. Um, and yeah, I, I feel it could have been more, but I, I appreciated his telling of what he went through, his story. And mm-hmm. I like the play on the title, The Inspection, because you're waiting for it to be the one inspection, but it's really another inspection that he's been waiting for. And I, I, I'm interested to see again what he does in the future, because every time we've mentioned yeah. this, uh, Elegance Brighton, he did do another documentary, Peer Kids, that I think really gets into more of what you're talking about. Homeless, queer kids, and like how, the means of surviving. And that being a documentary, mm-hmm. I think, covers it in a much better um, more in-depth light, I'd yeah. say. Your boy, Raul Castillo, uh, has a interesting role in this film. A lot of people are talking about Gabrielle Union also as hey, a potential Best Supporting was, Actress nomination. I like her. She's all right. I don't, know if, I don't know if I have her in my five, but she's good yeah, in the movie. Yeah, there's not too um, much that she does in there. Yeah. I'm mostly struck with Jer- Jeremy Pope, who I thought was pretty excellent in the lead of this film. I don't know if he's an Oscar contender, but this is the kind of role that makes me look out for this guy in the future, and I think he's going to have a very bright career. Agreed. So we have the inspection and we have devotion. I'd say devotion worth leaving the theater, leaving for the theaters at a man a price. And then for the inspection, I do think it's worth a rental. The inspection, I know for a fact, they just announced is going to be coming out in a week, uh, virtually. So if you like the A twenty four screening room, honestly, they need to do like good A twenty. I know A twenty four has a club already, but they need to do like discount codes for people yeah. who are doing the virtual screening room. Uh, start collecting some points or something so they can get those pins off the store. But uh, this one, I'd say, it's worth waiting at home, even though the cinematography is beautiful on a big screen, but it will be streaming virtually in just a couple of weeks, as announced today. Strange World. You got to see this one in theaters. There's a lot of uh, discussions in the background to Strange World, but it is the newest animation from Disney Pictures, the big Thanksgiving release that they had, only for it to come out, I believe, 
what Christmas on Disney Plus. Uh, Zach, <laughs> is this a movie that deserves to be up on the big screen with all of these magical colors in this new, brand new world that they've created, or is this one where the story should just you know wait out until it's on Disney Plus? Well, they spent. Uh, it seems a hundred million dollars on this thing. So just by virtue of that, maybe it does belong on the big screen and you know, kids have things they need to see too. And uh, especially over the Thanksgiving holiday, you'd think maybe parents want to babysit their kids at the movies with something fun and transportive. I, I think the problem is like this movie is not really a about much. Like, can you, can you explain to me what happens in strange world in less than five seconds? Less than 10 seconds? Strange things in a world. Yeah, like it's not, it's just not really like a very solid idea. It's, it, if, you've, if you're telling me it's a movie about like exploring an unknown world, like what, how is that different from Lightyear or half the other, you know, animated fantasy adventures that we get? It, there's just like a lack of, uh, of reason to care about this specifically that makes it a hard sell which I think is a shame because I think the movie has some things going for it. I did actually find the world design to be pretty compelling. And, uh, when you, when you actually do get to, uh, the, the, the themes of the movie being about climate change, it's like, Oh, this actually worked and hit me in a way I wasn't expecting. But I also kind of didn't really care much on the way here. <sighs> I feel you. My thing for the art and the world that it transports you into, which is fascinating. I don't know if you could be bored, but you could definitely be overwhelmed. It's like they took, you know, the color wheel, not even the color wheel, the color block that you go through and it gives you the hashtag to every single number uh, possible mm -hmm. for every color wave. It's like they just went through that wheel for every color and design and thing that you see in this movie. I feel like the characters are all representative of different things. Hearing Dennis Quaid come out, he goes, I feel like they cast me because I have a very particular stance. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, being yeah. able to bring in Jake Gyllenhaal to do a voice, you know, feels very much like Jake Gyllenhaal. In uh, Jabuki, who I I've loved seeing him in a bunch of stuff, following him on Twitter, mm -hmm. with all, all the jokes that he's able to bring in. It still feels Disney-fied where Jabuki doesn't get to yeah. be Jabuki. Where Dennis Quaid yeah. doesn't get to be like, yes, you're there as the grumpy grandpa, but they're not letting you be the grumpy grandpa you've been in in other things. It's still sanitized to a little bit of a degree. And I understand that that's part of the story and, and uh, a part of uh, the bigger picture of the acceptance of this world. But it also didn't need to be boring. You brought up Lightyear. Nah. <laughs> Man, this movie ended. I look over to Lena and I go like, oh, so they just made Lightyear again and it's still mm -hmm. boring. Not working. It's still not mm -hmm. working with it. And it almost feels like they're following, like there's differences, but it's still like a similar formula. You know, yeah. uh, we had just covered the inspection and there was a, a perspective in Naomi Harris's character from Moonlight having a specific yeah. like arc that they did for her Oscar run. And now with Gabrielle Union, who is also in Strange World, they were doing like the same thing. So yes, they're both personal stories, but under the A24 umbrella, I keep looking at like these producers always gravitate towards one thing. And Disney continues mm -hmm. to gravitate towards like the same beats in their story. And I don't know, I feel like they need to take more risks with it. I agree with you though. I, I do like the ending in this movie. I just don't care for the family. I thought they were very, they yeah. were a very boring That's family. And the conflict that yeah. they try to create should uncreate conflict in other places. I just, I don't know. Um, it's also one of those things where they, like a lot of things happen just to add drama to it. Like the way that Jabuki's character keeps you. just sort of like running off and it doesn't really make sense for his character to do you it. You wouldn't do that. I, 
Yeah. Like, I guess the, the eventually they're trying to make him into, like, oh, he's got the explorer genes or whatever. But but then you have to also change His how the character acts. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. And then I'm tired of Splat, bro. They literally have a line where they go, like, dang, we should merchandise this thing. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's... so nakedly cynical. I don't know. Uh, also, leash your dog. Your dog only has three legs. It's going to fall off the spaceship. Put him on a leash. They said they brought uh, a bunch of three-legged dogs into the, you know, because in order to animate it, that was something that they had to do. And yeah. all I went back to was the Atlanta episode with Goofy. <laughs> this is how you <laughs> dance. Uh, yeah, this little splat thing, it's just R2-D2 again. I, I was really yeah. looking forward to this one. I, you know, it looks beautiful, but I can't say leave the theater for it. If it's going to be on Disney+, Plus, just wait for it. Your kids will love all the stuff that it has there anyway. I was really excited for it, and I was a little disappointed with the characters. They just weren't as engaging as I wanted them to be. But I did like the ending. I want to mention another movie. I have to tell you after the fact. I was like, oh, it just became this movie that I really liked from the late 90s uh, that was also a cartoon. I like the reveal <laughs> what they have at the end. I thought it was cool, even if it's a little goofy but um what about you yeah should people no, I, leave or should people I, stay uh i think you can stay at home especially knowing that this one is is coming to disney plus pretty soon i mean i do think it's maybe worth checking out once it's there because it's i didn't have a bad time with it it's just not that remarkable and, and not necessarily worth the trip to the theater devesh in the live stream is asking how do you guys feel about them burying it like this because disney it does not feel like they gave it a huge marketing push and doesn't and honestly, like, I kind of understand it. I just, I just don't think this is a movie that was ever really going to be a, a hit for them, even if they put more money into the marketing. Look, it's Disney. They're on ESPN. I don't watch a lot of live sports like that, but I was with my brother. Hey, they got that thing plastered after the fights. Yeah. After you're done arguing with the family, sit down for Disney Strange World. I guess they didn't. <laughs> yeah. So Strange World, I think it's a, it's an at home for both of us. Just wait to see it there. Totally. But one that people are mad you have to wait for. Mm. Furious mm. that theaters aren't embracing and opening their hands for this one movie, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Zach has mentioned, giving it the thumbs up over from Tiff. I finally got to see it. Definitely giving it the thumbs up. In fact, we've been arguing whether it's better than the first one or not. It's really close, and ties are kind of crazy to me because if you're already tying like that, sometimes the tie goes to the runner. I don't know. I am very excited to see this movie very soon. I don't want to spoil things with it other than this man knows what he's doing. I will never argue with a Ryan Johnson. I don't. Dis mm -hmm. I disagree with a lot of the stuff that he did in some very big projects from galaxies far, far away. <laughs> I would never argue with him. I've never seen someone win a fight, even if you have a differing opinion. This man just understands the source material. This is what I wanted that new mm -hmm. scream to be. Someone that understands the history of the mystery genre and plays with it. The, the other ones, what do we see how they run? Someone tweeted out, oh, see how they run a movie that people are going to say 10 years from now? This just came and went. No, they won't because it just came and went. This is a movie that understands how to flip the genre. This understands mm -hmm. Agatha. This understands cameos that to this day I'm thinking back. How? This has some of the best cameos that after they're spoiled for you will still delight you the second time you watch it. Yeah. I love this movie. It's, it's a really fun movie. Probably the movie that has uh, been the movie that clearly was operating under COVID guidelines and did the most with them. Uh, One of the they, best they, COVID jokes. 
<laughs> I mean, so many, but yeah, and just being able being able to recruit so many interesting people into this film, and then also just have a film that is so rich in terms of the the layers put into it, in terms of the amount of details shoved into it, like it's almost overwhelming the amount of things that they do reverses on. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible, and it's incredibly entertaining. I still put the first one marginally above. That's fair. But, but marginal, man. It's marginal. The first one. And they're both great. Um, we got to talk about the theater talk, Zach. Does Netflix right. not know what they're doing? Do the people on Twitter... I, I never realized that you sign up and you get an MBA, uh, MBA mm-hmm. with it, but are they, are they right in saying that Netflix is dropping the ball with this not being in theaters? Netflix is not making this accessible. In the limited theaters that people have that they have to pay money for. Lord forbid they release it on the one thing that everyone has access to. How do you feel about the idea of only having a weak theatrical release? In your mind, is it good or is it bad for the movie? I mean, for this movie in particular, I think it's bad. I think that part of what makes a movie a real sensation and a sensation that carries uh, like more than just a week is that build, is seeing it in theaters. I think there's a reason that people are talking about movies like Top Gun Maverick and Everything Everywhere All at Once differently than they're talking about whatever the big streaming releases this year. There weren't a whole lot of them. Um, It's just, I I think there still is something about the movie theater release that eventizes this thing and and makes it maybe a little bit more special. Now, people are still going to talk about it a lot when it, when it does appear on Netflix. But I think that is like kind of limiting its window a little bit more and, and maybe lessening its impact. I, I, you know, when you go to the theater, you are forced to pay attention to it in a different way than you are at home. And it's a movie that really, really rewards that attention. And I wonder if a lot of people are going to be on their phones or making dinner or folding laundry and not, really appreciating all those details that we just talked about that make this movie so much fun. Now, you know, obviously Netflix is is a huge company that is changing the face of entertainment. And while this movie supposedly made a lot of money in its limited release and would probably make a lot more if they kept it in theaters, Netflix's aim isn't to be making money off the theatrical business. Netflix's aim is to destroy the theatrical business altogether. They want you to look to your TV for a new movie, not to your multiplex. So is it a good decision for the Knives Out franchise? I don't really think so. For Netflix, maybe, maybe. I, I... I, it's not a decision that I would make if I were in charge of the company because I think there's a re- that there is a a path to putting your movies in theaters and also having them on Netflix later that still supports the company. But but I get why they're not doing it. I agree. Do you feel it would have had? Because you had mentioned Top Gun, and that's, you know, obviously <laughs> the holy grail of what it's been able to do. Uh, Top Gun right. out in theaters this weekend again. 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 Yeah. Do you think it would have lasted over a month, Knives Out, in theaters? Because you have to remember the Netflix model is what? For every movie, it's just a right. week. Emancipation, even with Apple TV, mm-hmm. every streaming thing. One week, mm-hmm. and then it's out on the streaming service. This yeah. was the movie. Bardo, they're giving a month for some reason, but... Because it's him, probably. It, but yeah, it, yeah. again, and another same, example. Same with White Noise. But... Uh, uh, Power of the Dog was another one, you're right, that they gave a month from last year before it came yeah. out. 
do you feel those that oh those are those are much smaller releases we should note knives out was in 600 ish theaters because knives out was the first time as we've discussed multiple times in this podcast that regal and amc finally mm-hmm. picked it up mm-hmm. so you don't think that it's also a matter of like all these theaters bully netflix and then we blame netflix for not being invited to play in these theaters doesn't netflix right. also deal with points and they don't have or doesn't deal with points and by going the theatrical route they would a lot of people were saying you know if you gave this to another studio uh they'd be able to mm-hmm. push it what was the rollout for knives out 2 what was the meme that everyone did in every week would another studio have been dumb enough to allow Ryan Johnson to have gone as crazy as he did that every single person and their grandma was getting cast every week for Knives Out 2 mm-hmm. that it became a right, meme? Right, I wonder that people are, people are like judging it because Netflix didn't release it in one way, but at least Netflix created a movie that we think is mm-hmm. almost as good as the first and will be able to live on. In a, you can't stream the first Knives Out anywhere. Glass mm-hmm. Onion will be available for everybody. You don't need a theater near you or, or whatever else. It will be available for everybody. So if I'm playing devil's advocate, I think they made the smarter choice to have yeah. it be available in the most theaters for only one week, not a month, and then be available right before Christmas so that this can get memefied in HD and I think right. still be a hit by Netflix. It's going, to, it's going to be a very interesting test case, right? Because we've seen big Netflix movies before. We've seen good Netflix movies before. I don't know if we've seen such a certified hit, right? Like this is, Knives Out was a genuine sensation when the first one came out. And everybody everybody seems to be reacting to this new one by saying that it's if it's not at least on the level, it might be better. If it's a little worse, it's only a little worse. Right? There's no reason this shouldn't There's be no- a gigantic hit for Netflix that is talked about for a while. I feel you. Is this is it going to happen? Is, is it going to be like Queen's Gambit in that like it's still able to generate weeks worth of uh, discussion? Or is it going to be people talk about it for three days uh, over Christmas and the momentum runs out? I'm, I'm curious. We'll see. We'll see. This will be coming up with it soon. Yeah. If you did have the chance to see it in theaters, I highly recommend it. This is a full-out yeah. combo price for me out in the theaters. Opening day. Uh, I hope people Same. do get the opportunity to see it there. But, hey, we'll see. I'm just glad that Netflix continues to give. Marriage Story, what's his name? Uh, White. Noah. Noah Bombach. <laughs> Noah Bombach continues to get millions of dollars. And they gave millions of dollars for Glass Onion. Hey, as long as you keep making the movies. I don't care where you put them. Uh, they're all going to end up streaming anyway. So as long as the movie gets made, I see a, I see a silver lining there until Netflix runs out of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really quick, going through the docs this week. Zach will be catching this one in the following week, but just wanted to yeah, put Senior curious about out it. on the radar. It is the, I was about to play Senior over here. Uh, it is a new documentary that played at New York Film Festivals and playing in a lot of places uh, as it's done its run, AFI Fest and such, Telluride, which is... That's the big one right there. The yeah. idea that this may be one of the top five best docs of the year is quite possible. It's a very short doc, mm. but a very personal one. Regardless of how you feel about uh, either of these two, senior or junior, look, yeah. they are very prolific people who are looking back at their lives and how their, their all of their lives has been recorded to become art. It, it is crazy to think mm-hmm. of like that scene in Civil War where he creates the barf machine to look back at his family, and I'm like, you know, this man's just been venting the same the same thing throughout his career. But to see a a, a father and son love, especially with uh, the how prolific both of them are, I think it was a beautiful story. It's very short, highly recommended. Shot in black and white. 
uh, it's a very nice retrospective between the two of them. Uh, we'll talk about it more next week when Zach catches it, because I'm curious to see uh, as we get closer to the end of the year how we start compiling our docs and. It's a heavy year for Docs. I mean, every year is, but we're getting <laughs> we're getting a lot of really good ones this year. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to come down with the top five, but uh, this is streaming over on Netflix. I recommend to go watch it. Uh, it's the second black and white one because Zach got the chance to catch Stutz. Yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, the, the latest Jonah Hill documentary, uh, I guess the only Jonah Hill documentary that I know of, at least, is he... Done other stuff. I no, just know the way he, did he discovered how documentaries work by filming them in different <laughs> times. The man's never made a documentary. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, this is a pretty interesting documentary that he's put together uh, about his therapist or his psychiatrist, uh, Phil Stutz, mm-hmm. a man who he says has helped him through some of the most traumatic moments in his life and helped him find happiness. And in making this film, he's trying to share the teachings he's learned through his therapy with a wider audience, audience who audiences who maybe don't get access to therapy and the opportunity to learn some of these things. And along the way, you kind of are brought in on Jonah's own existential crises in terms of the the creative pursuit of this documentary. Uh, pretty early on, he lifts the veil and reveals that he's sort of having trouble figuring out the structure of the film, where to draw lines in the film. And I think, to me, while I think a lot of that stuff is compelling, it's not what I was hoping for from this. I, I think a lot of that sort of takes away from the focus on the therapy and the exercises and the the sort of journey of self-growth that I was hoping would be mm. a little more centralized in the film. Uh, that stuff is still in there, and it's still interesting. And even the stuff that I liked less is interesting. It's just kind of feels like they're touching on a couple different things rather than focusing on one. Um, most of all, though, like, just as a person who's been in a lot of therapy, it made me, you know, uh, miss the therapists I've had who are like Phil and, and wish I maybe still had one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's just, it's, I think it's a great endorsement of what therapy can do for you and and the the things that, the ways in which it can kind of, be beneficial. So I'm, I'm hesitant to, to say to, to, to focus too much on my nitpicks because I think it's, it's doing a good though. job. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I don't have as much experience I'd say with like one-on-one therapy, more so just counseling counselors and such guide guidance. Right. Uh, so I was very curious, like your perspective from it. Cause there were, there were sequences in it where I think because we know Jonah, we can almost be a surrogate through him. Uh, and there was right. one particular sequence with like his mom. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was very effective. Very effective. So, yeah, yeah. I was just curious your opinion on it. Um, it. It's cute to see him branch out into different genres, right? Just just a different style yeah. of filmmaking. Um, and him being a novice in it and his approach to that, I thought was, was adorable. Uh, even if, like, I, I agree with you that at the end of it, it's it's more focusing on, on him and this, like, back and forth and, and then, who's the story about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Stutz over on Netflix. Curious to see uh, how that ends up towards the end of the year. I don't, I don't see it making best docs, but still a good one to catch. Yeah. Uh, over on Prime, I don't know if you heard about this one, but a lot of people have been loving this thing called Goodnight Oppie. And it mm-hmm. looks beautiful, gorgeous. I saw it on my projector screen. It's the group of people who were able to work together to get this uh, like explorer up on Mars. And yeah. 
I don't even know how they shot this because they shot out ILM right at the beginning. So I don't know how much of this <laughs> is like CGI work that has been rendered in the past because it's like already uh, trouble to get the thing on there. But now they have other cameras up there that are filming it. It's just this whole exploration on how they're looking at Mars um, and how they were able to get this rover up there with the idea being that we think of Mars as like a place that may have civilization, but we don't think of it as like Earth has humans now. But millions of years from now, if we mess it all up, wouldn't we just look like Mars <laughs> and we all are extinct and then someone's going to find it and be like, hmm, I wonder if someone lived on Earth. <laughs> what if they lived on Earth millions of years ago? What if Mars had people on Earth millions of years ago and we didn't know about it? But it's a, it's a nice exploration on it. Um, I think uh, it may be one that can sneak in because of uh, its subject matter and just because it's like one of those yeah. docks that isn't isn't really pushing the boundary in any negative way, right? It's just, just pushing the frontiers of space. Angela Bassett yeah, is also a narrator. kind of inspirational. Exactly. It's inspirational, like. so it's not really anything that would receive backlash. Um, it's shot beautifully, and the ILM team, I mean, they're credited early on. They put in the work here. So, uh, again, I didn't know what was supposed to be CGI, what was. Right. But, again, Amblin gets a shout-out with it. So, uh, good night, Oppie. It played in theaters, and it's now over on Prime. So, if you're curious, give this one a yeah. watch. Yeah, this one debuted at TIFF and it got some good reviews out of there, although uh, it's hard to find time for the docs when you're yeah. at Toronto. But well, a good thing about them, especially with streaming, is that a lot of them get hosted, especially. Yeah. This KT Anthony Doug, uh, what's going on? I know it's been 10 years yeah. since you pulled a St. Omer, bro. Uh, KT <laughs> Anthony, you can go look up her case. Uh, once you look up her case, I think you know what this is, bro. I've never seen them give a victory lap to a woman, bro. This is like giving uh, OJ a docuseries just for him to vent. I, it is it is crazy, bro. I would recommend this yeah. as the scariest thing I've seen all year. <laughs> it is a three-part series where they actually follow this woman after a decade of not speaking on the case where her child was murdered. And having her dress up this place that they're doing just interviews. She feels the need to dress it up with pictures of her daughter. And then forgets when she looks at some of the pictures. Oh my gosh, this used to be one. I thought you've been staring at the pictures, ma'am. Zag, this is crazy. I would write it. You'd be too infuriated watching it. I can't believe they gave her the time of day. I'm giving her the time of day now only to pitch this. Yeah. As the, this is like look of silence. Being able to see someone so free vent right. through so many lies. Half of the movie is, or I'm calling it a movie, half of the series is her admitting that, yeah, at the end of it, she wasn't charged for one thing, but she was charged for lying in court. And uh, she's trying to explain why that continues to happen. And, um, uh, I, I can't believe that this is like the fire festival one where they paid the guy who is still in right. jail because of the fire festival right. stuff. But like to the craziest degree, it does not help her case in any way, shape or form. Um, and again, it, it is, it is the craziest path to go down considering yeah, my, the my, story. Uh, sorry. My, my favorite reaction that I've been seeing from a lot of people online is like, I can't believe they gave her this documentary. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> We, that's we, that's what we are as viewers, bro. It's like nope yeah, said it, yeah. and we still do it, right? Yeah, I couldn't help it, right? I saw the, I saw the first one, and I couldn't, I couldn't after that. It is three parts. It, it's, I don't know, I don't know. It, what do you? What, yeah. If she takes it to YouTube, then right? How do you silence mm -hmm. a, a person? Uh, right. Who's coming in with the story? Because it is, it's half her story, and then the other half is they do go to a lot of the people who are still saying. Yeah, I don't believe anything. The judge is still on record. The police are still on record. The roommates are still on record. But you're still kind of giving her a voice. Um, yeah. 
But if she proves herself to be an even dumber person, I guess I guess that helps as well. Yeah. Really good ones from Sundance, though. Ones that we do yeah, actually do would gravitate towards is the territory over on Disney Plus since they have that National Geographic one. Uh, Zach, take this one away because this is one that I know really stood out to you and was produced by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, my my favorite favored of his two films from this year, I guess. Uh, the, a film that takes place uh, deep in the jungles of the Amazon, uh, talking or following some of the indigenous people living there and their battles against uh, uh, the people cutting down the forest, Occupying, the, the yeah. loggers, and uh, who are who are using trying to mine the forest for its resources and you know damage it uh, and damage the people and lo- wildlife that lives there. Uh, a lot, especially a lot of them doing illegal uh, harvesting of the Amazonian rainforest. And rather than wait for the Brazilian government to take care of it or step in, a lot of these indigenous people have cho- chosen to defend their territory, defend themselves. Uh, not only that, this documentary co-directed by some of those uh, tribes. And it's raw. Uh, it is like giving, is trying to, show you their perspective by filming them doing this stuff. Like it's so, it's so, yeah, like you said, raw, it feels so viscerally like uh, made from justified anger that I think there's like an electric feeling to it. Uh, Later in the film, it actually kind of feels like you're watching an action thriller because there's so much on the line. It's just a pretty stunning piece of filmmaking that's also shot beautifully. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the best documentaries of the year. Hoping this is in that discussion for uh, best documentary, maybe gets shortlisted. And I believe it, uh, yeah, like you said, it's um, Hulu. Do you know if it's going to be Disney Plus as well? I think it's, it's National Disney Geographic. Plus, yeah, because I think National Geographic yeah. was on Disney Plus, but it's also like on Hulu. These streaming services and their bundles, they end up crossing through, but yeah. it is under the Disney umbrella since they own National Geographic. And it's definitely worth it. I agree. You know what it reminds me of a lot? You remember uh, yeah. the pr- uh, president from Sundance too, and that one won the award. Oh yeah, that won that special jury award yeah. because they were like, you were like in the middle of violence filming this, and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yes, we were. Uh, it, it's got yep. that visceral energy that that one has. Um, so I would highly recommend totally. that one. That's one of the best stocks of this week. One more that I'm looking up here, keeping it brief, because I think neither you or I really cared, even though it comes from. I don't know if you know yeah. this. I don't know if you know this, Zach. Ramin Barani. Roger Ebert's favorite Dude, filmmaker. Roger Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Raheem man. Barani loves for you to know that Roger Ebert had him as like one of the last shout outs uh, before his passing and he is here with a documentary uh, I know his first his first it was a big push that they were having for it oh it, it's playing over on Showtime so that means you may have it on Paramount I'm not exactly sure I don't think you need a rush to get a subscription for this one save your free seven day trial yet um, because even though it sounds very interesting I don't know. I felt like you and I were both pretty mad with it. Uh, it's a movie about the guy yeah. who created like the, the vest that he was selling to everywhere and the way that he was able to like really showcase his vest. As it tells you right there, he was Bullet a businessman, a showman, and a con man. He shot himself yeah. what, how many, 100 and 200 something times <laughs> yeah. as the pitch for how uh, effective his vest is. Was he a good mm-hmm. guy? Was he a bad guy? I, yeah, I don't think you'll know ever watching this guy. movie. <laughs> to me, he is. No, yeah, the, I don't, that, that's why I didn't get why he needed a documentary. Yeah, no, it, it, there's like a weird, 
kind of lack of of narrative momentum yes. in it. It kind of feels like here's one thing that happened. Oh, also here's another thing that happened. Yes. And yes. even the way it's constructed, it's so segmented that it it just doesn't feel like sitting down and watching a movie. It feels like sitting down and listening to somebody talk. So that second chance, if that is interesting to you, <laughs> is over on Showtime. But like I said, I think we recommend uh, The Territory over on Hulu. Uh, Senior was also really good. Um, and even Good Night Not Beyond Prime. So you still have plenty of other docs to watch. Uh, wrapping up the weekend must watch with some streaming stuff. Let's do it. They got sexy over on Netflix. On Netflix, Ooh. before you can Netflix and chill, Netflix was Netflixing and chilling <laughs> on your screen before that. Zach, I don't know how much you know about Lady Chatterley or the Lady Chatterley Cinematic Universe. Zach, let me tell you about <laughs> this. We have actually had so many Lady Chatterley mm-hmm. films, I could not believe it. From miniseries mm-hmm. starring Sean Bean to, dude, there was one with my boy, Richard Madden has a TV movie version of this. It doesn't stop there, Zach. There are porn <laughs> spinoffs. There is the young Lady Chatterley, the Lady Chatterley story. Sequels. Lady Chatterley's lover's <laughs> lover had one. There were the stories. They took it to Tokyo. I didn't realize how big this was. And as I was doing my mm-hmm. research, this is based off of a book that was like really raunchy. It's like the 50 yeah. shades of the 1800s over here. Um, yeah. Covering. Subject of British obscenity trials. Th- yeah. This was the, uh, what is it? The nasty babies before we even had video. Uh, the whole premise is that you have a woman who is married to a man who may not be able to have a child and he's been injured. And he kind of pitches. It would be really great for the town and for us if we had a kid. <laughs> and that's the movie. Zach, what'd you think of it? Um, look, there's, there's, it's a movie called Lady, Chatterley, Lady Chatterley's Lover, and they do get up to some loving in the movie, so it, it is as advertised. And uh, Emma Corrin, the star of this film, also stars in another romantic drama that came out earlier this year, My Policeman. That's right. Uh, she is... She is not involved in the sex in that movie. She is very involved in the sex in this movie, and there is a lot of it in in this movie. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and like, look, I think if you're gonna make a movie like this, you gotta go for it like that, right? Like the the purpose of a story like this is to titillate and and to tease. They definitely tease. Uh, There's some interesting kind of like I don't know. There's some some fun kind of sexual uh, adventuring dynamics. Just the the whole, her figuring out what she likes feels like a kind of not very explored part of the medium. I feel like it's a a refreshing element of it. There's not a whole lot else there. I like Jack yeah. O'Connell. I think I Emma like Gordon's also pretty good in this, but it, but it is kind of just like a, a pretty by the numbers uh, doomed romance story. I feel you with that one. Hopefully Netflix doesn't get the wrong picture and continues to make more 365. <laughs> Hopefully they yeah. balance it between the two. I mean, look, I'll take it over those, right? Yeah, exactly. I'll take it over those. Uh, you had seen The Swimmers. I still haven't had the chance to cut it. I know you mentioned to the intercuties, right. but now that it is available, give it another, another shout out. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a really amazing story here, amazing true story here, and that in moments it's handled pretty adeptly in this film, The Swimmers, uh, telling the story of some Syrian refugees who would immigrate from Syria to Germany, eventually make their way into the Olympics. Uh, But 
you know, there are the first half, while the first half is very riveting and full of this very uh, stunning, unforgettable imagery, some of which I know you were, you were talking about uh, before we got on this call where you see them partying through the night as bombs explode in the distance, just just like really striking stuff. Um, But then it kind of molds a little bit more into a typical sports drama by the end. And that just is is a little bit less exciting, although it is kind of like winning in its own way. Um, it's a it's worth worth a watch to me, especially since it is so readily available on Netflix. But I don't think it's one that you should uh, necessarily go out of your way for either. Swimmers over on Netflix, alongside a movie that was yeah. also recommended to us a lot. And it seemed to be like under the radar. But we we were in New York. Mm. Zach was coming back from TIFF. There was mm. too many things happening. And Netflix, I feel, always releases a little tiny movie during that period in time of September and October when like everyone's busy. And it turns out it's kind of a hit. There's this yeah. movie named Athena over on Netflix. I think it's French. Could I be mistaken there? Yes. Uh, yes, you're right. It's playing like a Greek Not tragedy. Only is it, yeah. Not only is it French, it is... I was watching the movie thinking this reminds me a little of Les Miserables. It is co-written by uh, Laj Lid. Thank you. I, that's the movie yeah. it reminded me of. I want to pull that one up yes. uh, as well. But if you want to break this down, uh, I am here to praise its cinematography. Yes. But Zach, give it a little break that, uh, of this movie because I think it's our, <laughs> our, our sneakly uh, surprise recommendation of the week. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's a film that takes place in the, uh, after a tragic death um, that is being blamed on the police and features uh, regular regular people and police forces kind of coming to a head. And it's, it's like beyond a protest movie. This is a full-on civilian revolt movie. This is the, the, uh, the oppressed public taking on the oppressors in the form of like a visceral, thrilling action movie. This is, you know, uh, a protest movie by way of the raid. Or something Ooh. like that. It is so visually compelling. It opens on one of the most stunning one takes I've ever seen. An 11 minute shot that travels in in and out of cars, up and down walls, drones out at the end to give you this beautiful view that's like a modern Les Miserables. It, it is a just extremely, extremely compelling movie. Uh, that is hard to wa- look away from, for better or worse, because I feel like there are times in which it's so blusterful and so powerful that you- you're looking at the really troubling things happening happening in the movie and the the very real pain that its characters are trying to to depict and thinking, damn, that's a pretty dope shot. So I don't know if like tonally it always feels like it's uh, hitting the right notes. But I'm just so in awe of the production that I I can't, you know, discount it. I, I was stunned and captivated. This has been on my radar for the longest time. And I'm watching a cinematography video from somebody. And they just stopped the video to mention this movie. I immediately mm. go to Netflix. And I was like, All right, enough is enough. It's the breakdown to this one take. And you had mentioned by way of the raid. Bro, one of my favorite things about yes. the raid too is the long take car chase that they have where they pass the camera in between the cameramen and one of the cameramen is dressed as a couch as the, look it up as the, the seat the car seat yeah i said couch a car seat this has it's unreal a similar shot where they jump Absolutely. into the vehicle will proceed to drive out 
past the camera, as you're about to see right here, while the vehicle is in motion. It is and crazy. That, that is not a tiny camera. That's a freaking Ari Alexa LF. Mm-hmm. They shot Doom with that. <laughs> and well, like when you see also some of the things there, the cameramen are being asked to do, they're getting like hit, they're getting elbowed, they're running into walls. Like it's not like it's not like it's an unimpactful thing. There are pe crew like in physical danger making it's this movie. Insane. Athena, watch it. They, we're not going to describe anything yeah. more. Uh, dude, I, I appreciate Ooh. you bringing up that it was uh, uh, the guy from Les Miserables. I was literally, I just kept thinking, I'm like, this, it literally feels like the guy, it feels just like the movie Les Miserables. Yeah. Wait, but we we got to talk. Do you know who directed it? This one? Romain, no, 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 no. Romain Gavras is the director. This is the guy who not only made one of my favorite music videos, Gosh by Jamie XX, just a stunning piece of music video work. He's the dude who did No Church in the Wild. It's got that energy now. Damn, now that I think about yeah. it. Okay. All right. It's all connecting yeah. then. Yeah. Highly, highly, highly recommend this movie. It is over on Netflix. Highly recommend that. This little thing that we were showing you right here. It is also on the Netflix YouTube channel. It's 30 minutes long, over 30, almost 40. It is worth it. The way he describes yes. how he knew that he needed to make something that wasn't going to be on the big screen, but that was going to be... Zach had mentioned the shadow with colors. He said mm -hmm. he specifically knew how people were going to be watching it at home and he wanted to maximize the TVs at home. It fires on all cylinders. Highly, highly, highly... Leave your house to come back into the house to watch a scene. That's how good it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, if you if you are interested in film production, if that stuff is cool to you, I don't see a world in which you watch this movie and don't immediately go to the making. Easily. Of. It is one of those types of movies. Easily. Um, all right. Keeping it going. I ain't get to catch this one here, but uh, talk about Window and Wild. I know some people have been mentioning this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a new film uh, from, from the man who's made uh, Coraline, who I know a lot of people – a lot of people have a really – soft spot in their heart for Coraline. I like it. It's never been one of my, my favorite uh, movies. Uh, but Henry Selick doesn't make movies that often, so you'd think this one would be more of an event. Of course, it, it is a Netflix movie, and Netflix does have a penchant for burying these things. Uh, because it's not just <laughs> that looks like Henry Selick. It's, it's not just Henry Selick. It is co-written by Jordan Peele. Peele. Yeah. Yeah, who plays one of the main voice roles in the film. The film also reunites Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key, who, who play the titular Wendell and Wilde in the film. Uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting, quirky, dark children's comedy about these demon brothers who are trying to be summoned back to Earth and they start haunting this girl who has dead parents and she's at this new boarding school with a mix of characters. And if it feels like you're getting lost in how convoluted it is, it's because you're going to get lost in how convoluted it is. There is like so much going on in this movie and it is a very weird movie. Like even on the like from the director of Coraline, it is, it is still a weird movie. Uh, even considering that. And I, I don't know, I can see it being like a lot maybe for some children, maybe too much to get into. There's definitely moments of uh, real creativity and, and some, and also obviously the visuals are very beautiful, but I don't know if the story really added up to me. It, it just kind of, 
it it's one of those stories where it just feels like there's so much happening that it's almost like it, I, I don't know the motivations behind some okay. of it. I, I figured out like who one of the main characters was like with maybe 20 minutes left to go in the film. And it's because it's just sort of, there's so much happening that it doesn't necessarily do a good job of introducing you to what it's all about. Um, I don't know. I, I not, not up there I with think James. There's going to be people who really love this one, but yeah, it's not, not his best at all. Not up there um, with unfortunately. Nightmare? Not definitely not up there with nightmare. Yeah, people realizing that, uh, what's the thing didn't direct nightmare. Maybe up there with monkey bone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's like an epiphany people have had uh, recently. <laughs> yeah, I yeah they thought it was Tim Burton the whole time. I, I loved one quote that Henry Selleck had. Harry's like, Tim Burton thinks he directed the movie. Uh, what's his name? Uh, who did the score? Danny Elfman thinks he directed the movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> there he is. Meanwhile. Uh, yeah. Well, as, as long as he's still getting money, hopefully he's able to make more of the projects that he wants. Uh, the animation looked good from the trailer, so we'll look into that. Yeah. Surprisingly, though, Guardians of the Galaxy and a holiday special, I think, had more of a buzz than that did. But there were some big revelations in here. Um, it, it's cute, I guess. You know, the idea of taking yeah. what used to be the cliche, very much uh, cash grab um, holiday specials and how streaming services have been able to turn these into things. Like Netflix has done right. some with Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I think our favorite has been Bojack's uh, specials that he has done. Right. Obviously, Disney. And they're definitely also kind of like making a sort of joke about like the Star Wars holiday special in a way. It feels good. Yeah. At least it's James Gunn doing it here uh, <laughs> as they try to make fun of what they get away with. But mm-hmm. it, it was cute. This one was spoiled even before people were able to watch it because they have the Legends thing and they kind of revealed uh, one of the big twists that comes at the end of this Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special yeah. that may make it necessary viewing before you go watch the new Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But eh. uh, what do you think about this Kevin Bacon adventure of a movie? <laughs> um you know, I, I found it was fun. I I did have a decent time with it. You know, I I tend to be the uh, Marvel cynic here, so I I gotta give I gotta say that this is actually one that I found enjoyable. And I want to say that as a preface to the fact that I was mostly struck by how quickly assembled this one felt. And I'm not saying that to say like. It's bad. It just kind of feels slapped together. James Gunn said that he only wrote the script in a few hours. It definitely feels that way. But I think, you know, you have like a good combination of these fun characters who are pretty reliable and James Gunn, who is very funny to to put enough in there that it does. It, there There is entertaining elements to it it does have a final little like emotional swell that that works you know um i don't know if i i found the kevin bacon stuff or the repeated like actors are the worst joke to be nearly as funny as they did but like it's fun it's a decent time it's also the kind of thing that i kind of wish marvel focused on a little bit more rather than giving us all these like forgettable six to ten hour tv shows just, like, give us a little update. Give us a 45-minute thing here or there that doesn't have, like, a huge bearing on the rest of the MCU. Like, yeah, we, we find out something new about a couple characters. If I found that out from a message board inst- or from Twitter instead of, you know, the movie before going into Guardians 3, I would have been fine, you know? It's like, what the heck's on his head? This thing's so <laughs> It's cheap, freaky looking. They put it together with glue sticks. Yeah, it it just is uncomfortable to look at. 
They needed a little more makeup on that. You look like they messed up the circumcision. This was not a family film to watch. But this was, t I, I didn't understand the production behind it, but you're telling me that it took them hours to stitch it together? Definitely feels <laughs> like it. And I agree with you. It feels like yeah. the only thing that you're getting revealed here is the um, two people's connection. I guess I'll leave it at that to not spoil yeah. it for some Which Marvel is cool. It's not everything has to be that important. It doesn't have to be. Um, but it still feels like a last minute thing to get people hyped up. Especially yes. because they were able to time it to the trailer, so I'll leave it at like that. Like that whole Mantis and Drax walking down Hollywood Boulevard Who thing cares? feels like they didn't even have a script. They just kind of like I don't think let them go. <laughs> they just did. Devesh um, <laughs> has an interesting question. Better or worse than Werewolf by Night? Two projects that I just don't care about. <laughs> um, I Yeah, that's my thing. I don't, I don't care. I think Werewolf by Night is like... Uh, aesthetically better, creatively more interesting, but but Guardians has the funny wrestler guy who who says talks funny, so I, I I'm gonna go with Guardians. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with the Groot series still. Uh, his little shorts. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with those right there. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. You like Baby Groot? I like Baby Groot. You, you don't like Buff Groot? No, I actually don't. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I don't like Buzz. I don't like Buff Groot at all. It's weird looking. Yeah, it's a little weird looking. I don't like it. He needs to get off the roids, off the bark. Um, but that's Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. Do you yeah. care for any director in the MCU to make some sort of spinoff? A project character? I mean, Gunn is probably like one of the felt like one the of the guys yeah. you want for the. I mean, not not to just like toot our own recent guests but i'm sure if you gave moorhead and benson a chance to do just some weird sh offshoot half an hour thing with some of these characters they they'd figure it? out something cool Fun. yeah that's what they got over on disney plus and if you got the bundle if you got the disney star you may have also seen another full fox movie coming to your homes we've talked about Ooh. what are the ones that we've mentioned uh crush was one that i thought the, was pretty good that also has yeah um I, I always forget her name but the actress who plays moana she was in crush uh we both liked uh the princess we liked i think as well with joey king that was a fox movie yeah, right it was a fox movie uh, i think one of us liked that one there was a fire <laughs> island i think both of us did like that right. one so there's been yeah. some good movies that should have been in theaters but through this fox deal as it's been consumed by Disney, have been coming straight to, uh, I was going to say Netflix, straight to streaming. And this is a movie that is cute for what it tries to be. It is the story of Darby who flatlines. Her mother goes because of an accident, but because she's able to come back, she returns to a world where she's still alive, but can see all of the dead people. And in that comes this uh, debacle where the mean girl at school, who she used to be friends with, ends up dying. But now she can see her from the afterlife and needs to put together a party where the mean dead girl is going to teach her how to be the alive popular girl and be able to continue the <laughs> legacy of this dead girl. It's cute for what it is. I would highly recommend Crush. Uh, again, also stars. Um, I need to get her name. I'm being so disrespectful because she's fine in this movie. And she's I've liked her yeah. since Moana and I think she does great jobs in live action. Uh, Auli. Uh, Cravalo. She does a decent job in the movie. Really Downs also does. It reminds me a lot of, a, a, I don't know if you remember uh, Sailor in the Spades. That was a movie that's able yeah, to yeah. actually keep its tone and not be watered down. This gets watered down with the ABC family type of uh, feel to mm. it. Like you already know where they're going to be cutting to commercials. This was doing it in cable. Uh, so if you like the tone of this movie, 
I would recommend Crush, which is already on, on Hulu, but I would recommend Sailor in the Spades because that really gets into the ins and outs of a school, uh, especially when you have a young black protagonist. But if you wanted something cute, Darby and the Dead, it's out on Hulu. It seems to be cool. the driving thing that they're going to continue doing uh, with these Fox movies. You get to pick and choose. It either goes straight to Hulu or they have to share it with uh, HBO. I think it's really how the deal goes. If a movie from Fox gets played in theaters, then HBO also gets the rights to it. So I think it's better for them to sometimes just release it and completely own the whole thing. Um, some behind-the-scenes stuff there. But the biggest, easily the most massive release in theaters, online, it had its own viral videos. It mm. caused the actress to get 10 million more followers on her Instagram, doubling the amount Oof. she had. If she wasn't already big enough, we're here talking about Wednesday on a Monday. Wednesday is the mm-hmm. newest series that does actually come from Tim Burton, I heard, that he actually directed a couple of episodes. So uh, uh, since he directed a couple. First four, I heard. I make it the whole thing then. Right? I think that's how it works for Tim Burton when he directs <laughs> something. Uh, but this is the series that I have only, like Wednesday, I've gone to the hump point. I'm only halfway through, but I've had several people around me who have finished it who have said that the second better, the second half is better than the first. See, it says right there, from mm. the imagination of Tim Burton, not the first four episodes <laughs> of Tim Burton. Um, you get a series in where Wednesday is soloing it from her family. They do make appearances there. The Adams are there, but it's pretty much her going to the school that her mom went to. Uh, her roommate is now kind of running the school, and she realizes, is this where I want to be? After the first couple of hijinks that happened, being the, uh, how would you describe Wednesday Adams? Being the voice of the generation <laughs> that she is, uh, is able to find the mysteries and conundrums that are happening in the school. And mm-hmm. she investigates it and does viral dances. And it is everything that the internet has loved for the past two weeks. And we think it's cute. <laughs> I, I think you maybe think it's a little cuter than I do. Uh, but, but I also really it's... like Jenna. Yeah, well, don't don't put me in a different camp. Like I'm Jenna also too, very hey. much pro team Jenna, but like I I don't know, I, I maybe that's also part of my issue with it is that I like Jenna so much and I do have some warm feelings about Tim Burton for better or worse, especially in the past, I don't know, decade and a half. Um even even going past the top line, you know, uh I like Ricky Lindholm. I really like Catherine Zeta-Jones. I like Luis Guzman. I want all these people to spend their time on a show that's good. I don't think this is a show that's very good. I think this is a show that is really going after that kind of like Riverdale CW tone that is very popular on Netflix. And it just doesn't necessarily feel – it feels inauthentically dark rather than genuinely dark. And, and, you know, maybe – the Adams family has always been a little inauthentically dark because it's kind of like a joke about these these gothic characters. But the, the so much of the dialogue here seems designed, uh, and excuse me for the outdated reference, but to be posted on like a Tumblr blog in in it the is, early two thousands. Yeah. Well, have and, we and like cycled? Right, maybe that's <sighs> that's now the cool thing again. I don't know. I am not a child anymore, but uh, I don't. And I like I I think it's going to be a really fun show for a specific demographic. I'm not in that demographic, uh, and I, I I think you know there are I can see this being a huge hit and a huge hit for her. You just mentioned how it's already really grown her profile. It's I'm sure it's going to be a huge thing for her career and her like name recognition. The amount of people who are supporting her. At, at the same time, I just sort of feel 
like they had so many elements going for them here that even visually to not really get like that much of a Tim Burton-y style, to, uh, maybe a little bit in the production design and beyond that, not really. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, it's a disappointment to me for sure. Well, it... It's helping her. Like I think it's cute. Like I said, I still need to finish the second half. I've heard good things about it, uh, and I really hope that Tim Burton does really well with it. He did all the episodes. He uh, does the stunt double, as you can see, completely from Tim Burton. Wednesday, a Tim Burton Netflix, yeah, whatever series. Yeah, I will say that like Jenna just remains very electric, and as much as I don't like the show, the more that it just asks her to do things, I'll keep watching. I love the fact that she went from being the stuck in the middle to. Uh, then being the face of Scream. And then it, she just continues to find something new to reinvent her, right? So she was the babysitter yeah. girl. And then she was uh, you. To now just be Wednesday, right? I I only yeah. worry that she gets the role that's so big, it gets a little too stuck. I don't want her getting Jim Halperted, you right. know? Um, Ex- exactly, the yeah. best thing she could do is and, continue and- to be iconic. And the thing is that I think she has enough range that she will be able to avoid being pigeonholed. You know, luckily, she's not only got Wednesday going for her. She's in Scream and seems to be the new Nev Campbell of that franchise. Mm-hmm. So she's keeping busy. And the fall um, did you, is on HBO, guys. You, you didn't like the joke that was going around that she went from stuck, to, stuck in the middle to being stuck in the middle of the week? That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Wednesday out on <laughs> Netflix. People love it. It's doing pretty good. But Zach, you want to know what I love? What do you love? Our Intercuity patrons who support yeah! the Intercut podcast. I love all the Intercuties and all they do to support this show. Those wonderful people are Ewan, Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Matt, and Mr. Kobayashi. We also have Academy-level members, and they are Tushar, Marion, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, May, Ricky, and Joe. Shout out Joe, our newest member. Appreciate and of course, you. a big thanks to the producer-level patrons. They are Awkward and Udenvir. Thanks again for all the support and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercut pod where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the intercut discord, early access to some intercut episodes, maybe some after credits reviews that we'll be posting soon. And as always, an invitation to our monthly patron Google Hangout where Art and I spend an hour or two chatting with the patrons about whatever y'all want to talk about, whatever movies y'all been seeing. If you got some hot takes that you got to get off your chest, you can join in for as little as $1 a month on patreon.com slash intercutpod. Art, what are you excited to talk about with the patrons this month? We, we still got to do our patron meeting for December. We got three brackets. Ooh, we got so many <laughs> brackets in consideration right eight. now. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, he's got eight, too, with Avatar. Jimmy Cameron, yeah. And I don't know how we're going to get it, but by the next year. So this might be just be those two, because we are working on the Spielberg one. But he's yeah. been around for a little bit. I don't know if you know, he's made 30-something movies. So we're getting the directors who have had eight movies first. We feel a lot of the intercuities may have seen those. So be be ready to talk some Aronofsky with The Whale on the horizon, as well as mm-hmm. Jimmy Cameron with Avatar 2. I don't know if you've been hearing Jimmy talk, bro. He's acting like he I mean, invented audio, bro. He's acting like this is the movie where from now on Technicolor exists. He's coming out saying he invented water. That from here on out, like 
don't worry, guys. We've, we've, like, that's it. You will always be able to film with water. Like, it's going to be a welfare program to be able to use this water technology that he created. He's talking some smack, <laughs> bro, and I'm, I'm here for it because it's yeah. Jimmy, right? It's Jimmy, but uh, yeah. before no, we get... It's, there's, a few people, there's a few people who are allowed to talk their shit, and James Cameron, who has made two of the three highest-grossing movies still, I think it is, or at one point, they were each the highest-grossing movie of all time. One of his favorite things that you he made... You get to talk your shit. Yeah, his favorite thing that he made was that Fox building that he said Titanic paid for, and he told them, don't <laughs> give me script notes in this building. I yep. paid for it. Yep. Uh, well, before Avatar comes out, we do have some other top picks for the week. Yes. So, Zach, moving Absolutely. into this list right here, what do we have on the horizon? Uh, let's start it off with a movie that's hitting Netflix this weekend from... Your Tio, hey. you're, you're one of our favorites here on the po- program. Oh my gosh. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yeah. You might want to put the Guillermo del Toro's in front of it as well because there are many Pinocchios <laughs> to go through <laughs> on Letterboxd, including, including one from this year. There you go. So uh, it is, at, at the very least, it is the best Pinocchio movie to be released in 2022. Uh, it is a stop-motion animated film with very interesting d- character designs. It's got a bit of a darker edge, as I think you can expect from a Guillermo del Toro production. I'm pretty entertained by the idea of some parents trying to babysit their movie, uh, babysit their children with this movie on Netflix, and being served up a film with child soldier camps, Pinocchio murders, and Italian Nazis, like. Uh, Mussolini Real is, cinema. is full in the yeah yeah, yeah he took but that that's stuff the thing. from it's Pan's like a, Labyrinth and he said what if I actually made it for kids <laughs> right like I, I need to have a fascist element running through all my fantasy movies <laughs> or what are we doing here uh, it's, I mean it, the thing is that like at times it does feel so dark that I'm almost like who is this movie for? Because it's clearly not for young children. Um, I might, it might be for those people who saw Coraline as a kid and really it grew attached this to it. Would be that, yeah. It's you know, it's it's not your your grandpa's nice Pinocchio story. He get he gets shot to death in this movie. <laughs> like I don't know, but <coughs> sorry, the the designs though are really are really uh, beautifully made. Um, the even the way the story told is told is surprising and different than you're expecting from a Pinocchio film. It, it's not my favorite, but I do think there's a lot of really good qualities of it. I really, really liked it, so I'm giving it the thumbs up as well. I think it was worth yeah. catching in the theaters, leaving the house for at a junior price, just because of the beautiful stop motion. But with it being at home, yeah, be careful with your kids. They're going to be asking you darker questions than you think. But yeah. please, 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 if you are at least going to have them play one, don't let it be the Disney Plus Zemeckis one. Let it be this Mm-mm. one. Uwe McGregor's great in this. I think I think he did a good job with it. It's not perfect, but it delivered for where I wanted it to be. So totally we got Pinocchio at the top of the list. What else we got? Uh, I've got uh, one that I don't think you're gonna find on Letterbox, but I'm putting the White Lotus season two. Beautiful. Uh, it should be because it's a limited one... series, according exactly, to them. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, so it is. Six episodes deep into its seven-episode second season, they have laid out all the scenarios and and uh, strung you along and introduced you to all the characters and their problems. And now uh, we got one lep- one episode left and a few dead bodies to figure out uh, who they belong to and, and why did they get there. Uh, there are many theories out there. Your guess is as good as mine at this point, okay. but. 
I just think they've done a pretty good job of making you think like it could be anybody. I have been wondering a lot about like how can you end this satisfyingly because the first season it just it feels like you can't repeat what the first season had. So you have to maybe go somewhere a little bit darker and like how do you justify that? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to leave it to Mike White. Uh, and, and hope that they land, they, they nail the landing. I haven't been enjoying the second season as much as I really? have the first. I feel like, I feel like it's not as thematically dense as the first one was in which the first one I felt like had a lot of different ideas shoved into it. Uh, although a lot of it was focused on, um, race and class. This one is a lot more focused on sexual politics, but I feel like the questions it's asking are pretty similar of most of its characters. And I don't know. I, I think ultimately what makes this season fun is that a lot of the performances are very good. I'm really liking Helly Lou Richardson. I'm really liking the dynamic between Aubrey Plaza, Theo James and, and their uh, spouses on the show. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I do think I need them to nail the landing for this to feel like it's like it's in the same league of the first season. Although I know there are a lot of people who are very, very excited and, and on edge waiting for that last episode. Yeah. So I don't know if you've been uh, keeping up, if you're planning I'm, on doing the binge this week. Oh, I got to do the binge this week. I'm still watching the first episode. Yeah. I'm still in there. Yeah. I'm still seeing uh, what's her name. I'm still pausing at the Italian <laughs> subtitles. <Yeah. laughs> so I, if we're the finale, yeah, I'm going to catch up because I, I, I heard Theo had a co-star with him this past week. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see uh, how things have developed because so far I've only got in the uh, intro mystery but white lotus uh i thought season one was good i didn't understand all the love that people had with it this cast looks really good this may be the season i prefer so i'll be on that one for sure uh let's go to another movie one that i think we're both excited for in bardo the latest from alejandro gonzalez Iñárritu, a movie that is about three hours long uh and i've heard is maybe a bit over long but he, this is a man who makes something extremely dynamic every time he's up at bat. And I don't think he has like a 100% success record by any means. Sometimes his films are are a chore. But at the same time, even the films that are a chore have these moments of, of visual beauty of how did he do that yeah. just in terms of the production. And it makes it something that I feel like must be seen or at least must be checked out if you're really trying to uh, see all the interesting things happening in cinema in a year, right? So I, I'm curious about this one, especially that it looks so much like Lubezki, but I he, don't think it's shot by Lubezki. Oh, yeah. So it looks like it's shot by Lubezki. It's not shot by Lubezki. And then the main guy looks like yeah. it's Iñárritu, but it's not Iñárritu. So <laughs> yeah. several things. One question for you. Uh, does this come out yeah. December 16th so people will be able to see it at home? I know it's playing in some theaters. We had even some here in Chicago. Yeah. What's the runtime, bro? Well, so tell me the Mandela it, effect me because I remember this being over three. Uh, it was, and then it got bad reviews. I think it was at Venice, and he chopped out a little less than half an hour. Oh. Yeah, did it help the reviews? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, oh, okay. I think people are saying it's a little better. <laughs> All right then. Well, I'm also thumbs upping this one. I am looking forward to it. I, I'm hoping it's still playing here in theaters. If not, hopefully they send us the. Uh, the screener link since it will be on Netflix. So I'm excited for that. Hey, go on doing anything. Do I got all three Theos coming up with something? <laughs> yeah, where is what is Corona? Yeah, up to? Alfonso, come on. We need one more. We would have had both of them. <laughs> Look at this right here. We got a trio of the Theo. We almost have the trio right here. Uh what else you got, Zach? 
Um, I got another TV show, although it's a limited series, so it might Maybe? be on Letterboxd. Let's see if Welcome to Chippendales, the Ooh. new Hulu series. Wow. So Chippendales is an interesting property in that this one, I feel like, has been circulating for a long time. I don't know if you remember, there was one point where this was supposed to be directed by Ben Stiller and starring Dev Patel. The, it, it is. I don't recall, but interesting. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I definitely would have been interested in that version. I'm also decently interested in this version that is directed by Matt Shankman and starring Kumail Nanjiani in a very different type of role than we're used to, used to seeing Kumail in. Uh, a lot more dramatic, a lot more serious. He's kind of this like uh, very bizarre character who uh, has to unravel through the course of the series. Um, I have seen the entire show. Oh. I think they've only aired four or five episodes so far. Uh, they sent us screeners. Um, you know, it's not necessarily like the most uh, d- most finely observed, interesting show that gives you a, like a new perspective on the era or whatever. I think it's a, just a decently bingeable true crime show with some uh, with a very fun setting, obviously in the world of Chippendales, which was the first uh, male strip club in 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 the uh, America, I guess. Um, and just see, they're charting the journey of these characters. What I wished was that there was maybe a little more weirdness. There's this one moment where uh, after Chippendales has started to get big and Kumail's character is finally able to own a Rolex, he goes and gets his suit fitted and he keeps telling the guy to hem the sleeve on the suit shorter and shorter and shorter so that his Rolex shows. And the guy's begging him, sir, it won't look good, please. And he keeps making him go shorter. And it's like, I wanted to see that guy. That guy is a weird character and and not normal and... I feel like that's the character that everybody around him is responding to, but not the character that it's often seen on the show. Gotcha. So that might have that might be what have what would have made the show on a different level. Uh, it's still a very satisfying binge. In uh, if you're looking for that kind of like ripped from the headlines type of story, uh, pretty entertaining, short-ish episodes. I think they're 35 minutes without the commercials. Okay. So uh, yeah, I check it out. And no chipmunks in this one. <laughs> no chipmunks. It's not that it's kind not of chip that and one. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. All right. That's the fourth one. And then finally coming in with what was the brand new 100 <laughs> movies that was nothing but the rage this past week. Is it? Yeah. As good as they say, Zach. Jean Dillman, uh, the the Chantal Ackerman classic. I mean, have you have you heard of this one? Yeah, have, I started, playing it, I started playing it last week. So I'm going to finish it by the time we do the next bracket. <laughs> How is it? Yep, uh, a little, a little over three hours long. Look, uh, it is. It was obviously the number one film on Sight and Sound's poll. I think we want to talk more about the Sight and Sound yeah, poll a on a stream later this for week. Sure. Um, but I mean, I guess spoiler movie call movie that's called the number one film of all time is pretty great. Might be a masterpiece. Um, it's not going to be for everybody, and it's not a movie that I will personally recommend to anyone in my life except maybe you. So congratulations. <laughs> um, but it's it's as a personal it is rep, a guys. pretty it is a pretty incredible piece of filmmaking and a, a very stunning uh, a stunning uh, idea. I don't know a revolutionary film in its own way. Something that I think you and I return to a lot is this discussion of whether or not films are slow 
or are they patient? Yes. And we hate slow movies, yes. but we love Preach. patient ones. And this, to me, is a prime example that even though it is a three-hour, 22-minute movie, and even though the kind of things that you expect to see in like a great movie maybe don't happen until past the three-hour mark, this is a expertly made, patient film in which everything is all everything builds to this moment. And I don't know. There's just something extremely radical about it and very uh, compelling. Um, there are small details like a, a light that shines through the, the curtains in one of the rooms and has this repeated unsettling pattern. And it's, you, you keep noticing this light and it almost like makes you uncomfortable without realizing it. Um, it things like that that contribute to this atmosphere that Ackerman's making, it, it's so well observed and so unique in its construction and there's a moment late in the film when she forgets to button one of the buttons on her nightgown and you think oh shit shit's really going down now and if a movie can make you think that because she didn't button a button bro that's a masterpiece that's a masterpiece well, I've had this one on my watch list since I probably cre- it's tough. created Letterbox. So now yeah, that everyone's it, logging it, I feel it's uh, it's on Criterion. It's on HBO Max. Yeah. Oh, actually, wait. That's the beauty. I, I did want to do something with you on this uh, podcast. Sure. Or maybe we can save it for the uh, site. Well, we'll do it twice. It's fun. It's fun, right? Um, something that I noticed that was pretty interesting. I might need a minute to set it mm-hmm. up here. But you know how on Letterboxd you're able to... Uh, sort films uh, based on the streaming service that they're on, right? So if you go to the Sight and Sound poll, uh, here, let me add my screen in here. Uh, If you go to it on Letterboxd, at least. Oh, Letterboxd. um, Here, I got you. So you go to it on Letterboxd, and you got 100 great movies to choose from, right? But you can filter it um, and eliminate all some different services. So let's see. Like if you want to watch it on Amazon Prime, eh, you got two options there. If you're trying to catch up with some of the 100 greatest films of all time Beautiful. on Hulu, you got Portrait of Lady on Fire and you got Parasite. What if you were trying to catch up with the 100 greatest films of all time on Netflix? Shit out of luck. What if you're trying to catch up with them on Peacock? Peacock? Are you serious? Nothing. But. Criterion, baby. Our reigning, ch- our reigning champion, HBO Max. Wait, how many criterion has 50. got? Look at that. Is that the, look is at that, that, is that just a list? That, that might be the fifty because they have a lot of the criterion on them. Oh yeah, I guess they like kind of share. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, really quick, because I believe the service that Letterbox uses is Just Watch. So in case for whatever yes. reason, because I don't know if the, the filtering that you're doing, I don't know if that's a perk for like the the. Patron? It might be a pro perk. So if, yeah. it's, if it's a pro perk, take advantage of it because that's the best way to filter through lists. This is also how behind the scenes we do Sundance. We go through the list and we're able to like sift through all of the categories and such. But if you don't have the money to pay for the patron thing, um, use Just Watch. Just go to Just Watch, uh, search up the movie that yeah. interests you the most, and you'll be able to find it from there. Now, if you ain't got the money for the service, uh, I mean, you got the internet. I guess that's what's next. But yeah, just like Zach shows you there. Um, and sounds like Zach's doubling up on Gene Dillman being one of the number one movies of the year. But we'll have a whole other discussion because it was it was fascinating not just seeing the talk about what made it to the top 100. What got booted from the top 100? 
But yeah. then also, like, how do you even put together a top 100? But that'll be a different video oh, yeah. for a different time. As of now, Zach, your tops being Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Bardo, Welcome to Chippendales, Gene Dillman, and then, of course, The White Lotus. Uh, finishing it. up these top 10 over here, I want to add one that you put on my radar that I believe you caught in yeah. Tribeca, and that is Last Film Show. We've been getting so many. How dare you, sir? That movie is nominated instead of RRR. How dare you like it? I don't care, bro. A lot of, first of all, I'm going to put off here. Some of y'all never saw RRR when it came out. And now that it won New York Critics, you're going to come on and pretend like y'all were fans mm. of it. You could like mm. it, bro. But oh. sit down. All right. Last Film Show is a movie, though, that came out yes. at Tribeca. And it is now streaming. It was in theater. I believe it may have some virtual stuff, but I, it was playing at a theater near us. They were nice enough to send us the link because it is, I believe, the submission. Um, and it is beautiful. It is gorgeous. Out of all the love letters to cinemas that you've seen, this has some imagery in a journey that I think people are definitely going to love. So uh, I have not seen Hit the Road yet, which is another international film that I want to see. Ooh, we'll see how they compete that's a good one. in the top spots. But for right now, highly, highly recommend Last Film Show. It's a good one, right? It's really good. It, it's, it's the reason why you go watch movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, th this reminds me of like when Portrait of a Lady on Fire didn't get the nomination from France and we're like, yeah, that sucks. Have y'all seen the other, the other movie, movie that, that did get it too? was also really good? Yeah. And, and yeah. I hate comparing movies like that because at the end of the day, we're not even comparing the movies. We're comparing the movies based off Oscars. And uh, yeah. some of you may notice that we don't – we do, obviously, because we're a part of it. But for the most part, we're not here doing sports betting for movies, which I feel has yeah. become the new realm of discussing movies. You're not discussing performances. You're discussing the performance based off the other performance you want to win for award season. Right. And that's not how we Absolutely. talk about movies. Both of these are good. Last film show, RRR. Put them both on your radar because um, they're just fantastic. They deliver. Uh, another one that's a little under the radar is this movie called Missing. Now, don't get it confused with the other missing we're about to get. But this is a young girl whose father may not be fully there. He acts a little off kilter. Mm. But he feels that he's going to go get this serial killer and be able to you know, get the ransom from that. Until he goes missing. And now the daughter's got to go on the journey on trying to figure out and the twists and turns and places that it takes you. It's very, very uh, fascinating movie. Missing. Before Missing comes out next year, make sure you add that one to your list. I'll see if I could even pull it up here to add it to the letterbox list, considering there is so many. I had the director being Shinsu. Because even the... Uh, I, I was thinking about this and I was going to pitch it to you. Missing from the searching duo. The yeah. sequel comes out next year, the day Sundance begins. Oh, so come can on, guys. it be an opening night film for Sundance? Because you know they love <sighs> that to feels... do that. So I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. The schedule for Sundance that... gets announced later this week. We'll have a whole video yeah. covering a bunch of other topics, but I just wanted to toss that your way. I'm assuming they might have it be that. It gets the Thursday Is it first opening, weekend of Sundance? The 20th. Or second weekend of Sundance? First week. Sundance begins That's a little soon. on a Thursday. That's the a little movie begins soon. on a Friday. Yeah, it's right around, the, right around the horizon. But in the meantime, watch Missing before Missing yeah. becomes a thing that doesn't go missing. Uh, <laughs> the Eternal Daughter is also out in theaters in select places, but it was also out on VOD. See, it's out here on Prime for $19.99. A little steep of a price, but uh, as someone who has liked Joanna Hogg's stories more and more and more, she is the best example of a patient filmmaker. Who I have grown to appreciate her perspective, uh, especially in this one, because I feel it's literally a a letter to her mother 
uh, mm-hmm. uh, but a letter to her mother talking about what it's like to be a daughter, but not necessarily having a daughter. It's a different creation. I really liked it. It stuck around with me. Uh, and I think that streaming it, uh, saving it for a decent rental is the best way to catch it. So I would add the eternal daughter on your list. Cool. And to wrap everything up, it's a mixed recommendation that I've got right here, but the finale is Darren Aronofsky's newest movie, The Whale, out in select theaters and I think going wide little by little. The biggest thing this movie has going for it is the performance, and that's the one thing that I can commend Brendan Fraser for easily. They say it's down mm-hmm. between him and Austin Butler, and I think it's just going to come down to how people perceive these movies. They're both good performances. They both have a lot of prosthetics on them. But one movie mm-hmm. may make you feel happier than the other one. And I don't know if that's going to be the deciding factor for a lot of the circles that are already giving it to Austin. Um, I'm sure that during, uh, Brendan Fraser will get yeah. a lot. I was reading back into the stuff with the Golden Globes. If you haven't, uh, right. go back and look up his story. It's it's pretty messed up. So uh, I'm really... Yeah, and GQ, those two stories. Yes, yeah, all, all of that. Uh, highly recommend all of that reading because it'll kind of give you a sense of why he's been gone for so long. But the movie, there's a lot to like in the movie. It's based off of a play. It feels like a play at the end. It says, yes, it's based off of a play. <laughs> there is moments where you can call out Michael Bay for using the male gaze on a star and he can deny it all he wants. We all know the shot from the first transformers when she's fixing the car. Right. This is that movie. But for a big old dude, bro, a lot of the movie really knows that what it's selling you is a big boy. Y'all want to come to the movie theater to see a big boy? You're going to see a big boy to the point where it is wearing it on its sleeve and pretending like that's not the main factor. It feels like Barnum and Bailey Circus. Everybody get together. This is what we're going to see while it's trying to deny that it's not. And within it, there is a good story of a guy with regret. Telling other people to not be regret. A teacher who has uh, lost a lover, lost his family, is is all being taken place in one room. Uh, and I think there's a lot to like in there. There's a lot of metaphors I caught really early on. There's a lot of corniness in it, too. So I'm very conflicted yeah. with this one. I, uh, I want to yeah. recommend it for Brendan, but I don't think the story is that good. And I, I personally feel it is the corniest direction Darren Aronofsky has ever done. I mean corny. Yeah. Some people be like, you just don't understand it. You a corny dude, then I don't know what else to tell you. There is some <laughs> corny shots in this movie. Yep. There is some miscastings, I feel, in this movie. Uh, but Brendan is good. And Hong Chao is great. Because let's talk about it. Because Hong Chao is really maybe the best performance in this film. And maybe, maybe the best chance this film has at winning an Oscar because I, I just feel like this. She is good. Yes. I just kind of think this movie doesn't work when she's not on screen. If, if I'm being real. Take um, yeah. It, it's, it's a movie that really is built to me on a lot of fake empathy for a character that they really indulge in trying to make into a grotesque figure simultaneously. Like I, I was really bothered by the way that they really, really indulge the sound design. Like every, every bite this guy takes sounds like it's his last one. And I don't know. Um, I, I think he, I feel like Brendan Fraser's character is not so much a character, but an idea. And Hong Chao's character is actually a person yes. and somebody who who is trying to navigate a very sad situation and, and, you know, live it, but also deal with the difficulties of it. She's the only person who I, I felt like 
had genuine emotions and genuine reactions and really just kind of pulled heart out of all the other characters around her, particularly the young people in this film who, who just don't really feel like people at all unless she's talking to them. She's on the clock, bro. I know y'all love her. She's on the clock. I'm sorry. As of right now, yeah. y'all didn't go see her Dear Zoe movie. And at this point, bro, <laughs> it's just the same character. There was a line I heard recently uh, that uh, Anya Taylor-Joy talked about uh, working with Shyamalan. She was crying, and he looked at her, and he said, no, 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 no. Those are your tears. Give me your character's tears. And she said she's taking that from every movie to realize, don't do this gimmick of crying or laughing the same way. Each character is their own person. She my girl, too, bro. She's real. She's real. Uh, and I but think, not in this luckily, movie, we've bro. been on this corner. In this no. movie, <laughs> she is, it's just not it. I've heard some people argue yeah. for it. But if you're beginning your reviews with defending her, it kind of sounds like it's already yeah. an uphill battle. It sounds like they wrote the lines yeah. for her, but she's not that character. She's acting the same nah. way her character in Stranger Things acts. Y'all need to give her a little mm -hmm. bit something more to work with. Sadie, I love you. You're the girl. But you're not in the Taylor Swift video. You, you're still acting the exact same <laughs> way, my G. I did not buy yeah. her character at all. This is a longer discussion for another for day. For a second. But yes. I still put it on there because it's one of the biggest movies. There are, there are some very emotional points. and There's a lot of twists and turns. But you are right, bro. This movie uh, is setting itself up with its sound design and the way that it shoots Brendan Fraser to be memes about fat people. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I think something could be problematic. You can and still enjoy it. Something doesn't even need to be problematic I, to you. <laughs> but the case being is the way this is shot, it is meant to be in and out clipped as in, oh, I just had my Thanksgiving meal. I'm telling you, that's how the world's going to take. Someone said driveways. Yeah, it, Shout out driveways. Shout out Driveways. Driveways is great. Uh, just listing some of the performances she's in. Uh, HBO's Watchmen, The Menu, Downsizing. She's a scene stealer. I loved her in showing up. Uh, so we are big on Hong Chow. Uh, just going back to your idea about uh, the, the the movie and just the how it's going to set itself up for memes in a way. It's like it, I fe even feel like A24 is being very selective in the footage they're releasing. There's a only a one minute trailer out with very little footage yes, in it. They are. There's one poster, there's one image, and I think they're very conscious of it being very easy to turn into things that are are the antithesis of what the movie is trying to do without realizing that the movie put those things in there in the first place. There you go. And that is our weekend must-watch right there. Guillermo's Pinocchio, Bardo, Welcome to Chippendales, Jen Dealman, Last Film Show, Missing, The Eternal Daughter, The Will, if it's near you and you're good with it, along with The White Lotus, which I will be catching up with this week. So many good things on the horizon. We still have so much more. You've got your screening to Avatar coming up, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I think mine's going to be <laughs> tomorrow, a dude. little later. Tomorrow. So Zach will have thoughts for Avatar on the horizon. Uh, again, we have all of our TIFF coverage, Chicago coverage, New York, New York coverage, a bunch of movies that you guys still have on the horizon that will be coming out uh, towards the end of the year. Hopefully virtually a bunch of the stuff coming out in January. Um, but it's the end of the year and we're putting our top 10 list together already. Uh, I believe Bardo and Avatar are our final movies. We are people who like to wait for uh, the movie year to end so we can put our movie list together and we are there. So I'm curious to know what a lot of people's lists are. If uh, yeah. you're watching this now or watching it in the future, let us know down below in the comment section. What are the movies that may have missed our radar? If you're an intercutie and you've been seeing us miss something, let us know down below. I know that there's some Netflix series that people have been wanting us to watch that are coming back. Let us know down below as well. Uh, yeah. We always take those recommendations. Well, 
have to catch yeah, we always, before you know, we the had, year is over. We had movies to the rundown into the list that uh, may have gone by us. Because, uh, again, that's part of the community. We we like opening it up, seeing what, what, have, what may have missed our radar uh, and adding it to it. So let us know your thoughts down below in the comments section. And until next time, Zach, take it away. Thanks all for this week's edition of Weekend Must Watch. You can follow me, Zach Shevich, on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show Art. Where can people find more from you? You can find me over at Elmi Explain on YouTube, on Twitter, on Letterboxd, or every week here on the Intracup Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, your whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday. And please leave a comment, like the video. Consider heading over to iTunes or to Spotify and give us that much-requested five star review thank you uh like our facebook like our instagram follow our twitter page support us on patreon all of them are at intercut pod and you can get updates throughout the week from art from me from all the guests we feature here on intercut also check out a link to our discord in the description for this episode to keep the conversation going throughout the week and join that film loving community of inner cuties over there Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, don't bother sweet little Italian women if you don't have a translator with you. It's just, it's not going to end well. <laughs>